Welcome to the One Church Podcast. In this podcast, our prayer is that you'll encounter content that will instill hope, fortify your faith, offer practical real-life insights, spread the love of Jesus, and inspire you to fulfill your unique purpose. Now join us as we listen to this week's message. So suppose several years ago, a man came up to me, and he's a married man. He came to me and said, Pastor, I'm having a struggle. I'm having an issue. For over a year and a half, I've been in an adulterous relationship. All the heads came up. I'm torn inside. I don't want to do it, but I still catch myself in that relationship, that adulterous relationship. And he came to the pastor, and he came to him and said, "Uh, I need help. I need prayer. The pastor said, yeah, I'll pray for you, but something's prayer alone will not work. How many of you are thankful for prayer? But something's prayer alone will not work. The pastor gave a response. Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says, do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove that what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And he prayed for them, prayed for him, but he also told them something else. You need to go and read Proverbs chapter 5 and chapter 7 daily. Two chapters that talks about that struggle or that issue that he was dealing with because of that adulterous relationship and the impact of sexual sins. Then he also told them to read about the story of David and Samson, of what happened in their lives and the consequences they experienced because of those relationships that they had, similar to what this man was facing. This is not just a story, but this is something that did happen or could happen. See, we all have them, we all have weaknesses. We all have struggles. But let me also clarify something. That if we're struggling with something for a repeated nature, with a repeated nature for weeks, months, and let me say years, it's not a struggle. It is something that the enemy has used as a stronghold in our life. It is transformed from a struggle or a weakness to somewhere the enemy is playing with us. And today I am excited but also trusting in the Lord to bring this word to each and every one of us as it is ministering to me because we all have weaknesses. We all have struggles. And I would admit to say that we all have some strongholds in our life. You see, Pastor Abby a couple of weeks ago started this series, The Unseen Battle, right? How many of you here was here for that week? And I was not here, but I was watching and I was blessed by that word Pastor Abby shared. The Unseen Battle, he looked at Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 through 12, it reads, if you would just turn your Bible there quickly, it reads like this. If not, the screen will show it to you. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of weakness in the heavenly places. You see... In Ephesians, Paul talks to us as the children of God, but also as the church. In many different contexts, he first calls the church or the children of God, the people of God, an assembly. Someone say assembly. 
This is technically an assembly of believers. Then he calls them a family. How many of you have ever heard the phrase, we feel like a church family? I heard it this week from a bunch of young people. It feels like a church family. Amen? Praise God that we can come in here and you have that family feel, family atmosphere where we're tight, we're close-knit. We are called to that, and Paul tells us that. But it also says in Ephesians that we are the temple of God. Right? We are the temple of God. And he then says we are the bride of Christ. But there's a final picture that Paul says in the book of Ephesians that sometimes we negate to talk about or do not put focus on. And it's something that we may not be used to because we are not combative by nature. It's a final picture of an army. Of an army. Amen? To commit it to fight a war. That all children of God are automatically engaged in, whether we like it or not, want to be a part of it or not. If you wanted to be a part of the U.S. Army or not, you can choose to go into the Army or military forces here. We thank God for all those who decided and made the sacrifice and continue to. But I also know that here in the kingdom of God, there is an army that we are called to be a part of. And we don't have a choice as soon as you give your heart to the Lord and even before the enemy has been at work. And as soon as you give your heart to the Lord Jesus. Jesus Christ, you have been a part, assigned, drafted into the Lord's army. And there's a spiritual war like we heard a couple of weeks ago. The fight is for all Christians. Paul uses the phrase or that analogy of a wrestling match. I have two nephews. I I have three girls, daughters, so I, I can't freely wrestle with them as much as I like. But thank God for nephews, right? They come to you, then you send them back. Right? But every time we get together, they both of them say, can we fight? Can we fight? I'm like, what? And we fight. Takes a few minutes, fight. Let them beat me up. I once in a while give them a little, mm, keep them in check. But they still come back for more. But one thing I've learned is when you're wrestling versus any other form of combat, your whole body must be engaged. Your legs are being used, even if it's not actively being used. You're you're standing on the strength of your foundation. Your arms, your body, your full body is being engaged. That's why Paul is telling us it is a wrestling match because your whole life, your whole mind, your whole body, your whole spirit, and your soul is engaged in the spiritual war. Would you pray for me? And let me just clearly say there are two opponents. There's God and there's Satan. Amen? There's the kingdom of God, and then there's the kingdom of Satan. There's the kingdom of light, and there's the kingdom of darkness, as we read in Colossians chapter 1, verses 12 through 14. In Matthew chapter 12, it talks about uh, Jesus talking there and says, Satan has a kingdom, and it's not divided, but highly organized. He's talking about a kingdom divided will not stand. And it says that you have to understand the kingdom of God is a powerful kingdom, but also the kingdom of Satan is a highly organized kingdom. It is not a divided kingdom. And Satan is at the top of it, but he's got his little minions at work. And those minions could be agents of darkness, and sometimes we would call them demons. I'm not trying to scare anyone, but I'm trying to enlighten people. Because now, I'm telling you right now, we better plead the blood of Jesus over everything and everyone. Because the enemy doesn't like being exposed. He likes operating in the darkness. And if we don't know about it, then we'll still be bound. But I'm thankful for the word tells me in John chapter 8, verse 36. For whom the Son has set free is free indeed. Spirit of the living God. So I'm excited and I have hope because I may be struggling and I have strongholds. But I know I have hope because the word tells me there is hope in Jesus Christ. 
And I can find my freedom there. So there's Satan, there's God, there's the kingdom of God and light versus the kingdom of uh, Satan and darkness. But even in the story of Job, if you don't know the story of Job, Job chapter 1 verse 6 through 7, it says, One day the members of the heavenly court, or the angels, God is speaking, all his angels came to present themselves before the Lord. And the accuser, Satan, came with them. Who came with them? Showed up where? Where? Where, where? Not in hell. Where? In, we got, today's a teaching, okay? Where? In heaven. Amongst the angels, these accusers showed up. Even the angels could not identify the devil in their presence. Even the angels could not identify. But the Lord saw the devil in, in his presence. And he called him out. And he said, where have you come from? The Lord asked Satan. And Satan answered the Lord, I've been patrolling the earth, watching everything, what's going on. I'm looking to see whom, whom I can devour. As we read in the New Testament. So here it shows that Satan had direct access to the Lord. So I want to share three simple, uh, quickly three things right now. If you want to take notes, I encourage you to. We always do. There really are demons. They really do enter people. And Jesus really does cast them out. Amen? Amen. They are really are demons. They really do enter people. And Jesus really does cast them out. And you're all getting nervous. Where's Pastor C going with this? And I'll be honest with you. I am trusting the Lord because I have not preached on this, ever taught on this. And I, but I know this church needs this in this time. This city needs this in this time. Because our tomorrow needs this today. I'm telling you right now, your life, my life needs this right now. So I need you to be alert. Remove any distractions. Be in a posture to receive what the Lord is going to deposit in our lives. Because today could be the day of your freedom. Today could be the day of your healing. Today could be the day of your deliverance. So today I want to share with you four things mainly. The definition of strongholds. Someone say strongholds. Come on, say it like, like you're strong. Strongholds. The location for strongholds. Number three, the construction of strongholds. And number four, the destruction of strongholds. Amen? I can't wait to get to that one. The definition of strongholds is not first, it's not just a stronghold. It starts with a foothold. We all want to go for the strongholds because it's obvious and it's out there and it's big and easy to find. But sometimes it's just a little foothold. And when you look at the word foothold, it's, if you've ever done rock climbing or anything, anyone do ever those, any of those kind of things? You know those things that you see on the walls that is there to put, for you to put your foot on? It's basically anything to give you support and security for your foot to anchor itself to, to find strength to push yourself up. So it's not a big thing. It's a little thing. Some of those things are very small. Some are big, but it's critically placed and strategically placed. And sometimes before it becomes a stronghold, anything becomes a stronghold, we open up a door in our mind and our lives for a foothold of the enemy to take place. Okay? So first, it's a foothold. And then it becomes a stronghold. Stronghold in the Greek, the word is okurama. 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 A fortified military stronghold. A strong walled fortress. It's also used figuratively as a false argument in which a person seeks shelter or a safe place to escape reality. This week, for the first time in 44 years, 
I had the privilege to go to the Statue of Liberty. Born and raised in New York all my life, with three daughters and a wife, we went and saw the Statue of Liberty. One thing I did not realize until I showed up there, that Statue of Liberty, the Liberty, the statue, was given to us from France, but it sat on a fortress that was already there. A fortress that was, and you look at the fortress, it was with tall, high walls. And there was rooms and places inside those walls for the soldiers to work and live and operate and hide and also operate in darkness so the enemies, their enemies could not see. And then when I was, when I was studying that and not realizing this is what I was going to connect it to, but I realized that's how a fortress works. The enemy uses walls to build up in our minds and our lives, and then he gets into that hidden place behind those walls, and he starts operating in the dark places of our minds and our hearts and our lives, and then he, the enemy to him is God, and the purpose of God, and the promises of God in our life, and the enemy starts attacking all that for his plans to be fulfilled against us. So when I saw that fortress, I was like, oh, this is what it means. So I want you to picture that. Paul here, when he's trying to uh, show a picture of this fortress or a stronghold at, in the ancient city of Corinth, there was a hill about 1,800 feet high. And on top of it was a fortress, just similar. And Paul used that as an image to these people that he was writing to. And they're looking at that fortress and see, trying to see how it matches up with the spiritual strongholds that they have in their lives now. There's an author by the name of Mark Bubeck. And he defines stronghold saying this, I, I'm quoting. A stronghold is an idea, belief, fear, feeling, desire, or anything else. Arguments, pretensions against the knowledge of God. That has a strong hold or a firm grip on our mind, spirit, body, or heart. Enslaving us, motivating us to act out against God's will through repeated sinful behavior. Anyone ever struggle with repeated sinful behavior? A stronghold is a believed lie we have allowed to become reality to us and hold us in bondage to sin. It is a lie that has darkened our minds to the truth of Christ. And with that, I want to bring our attention to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 to 4, which is going to be our main focus for today. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 and 4, it reads like this. For though we walk in the flesh... We do not war. What did I say we're in? We are in a war, right? We do not war according to the flesh, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Verse 5 is important. Casting down arguments and every high thing that is, exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. So that is a stronghold. We good with that? A, a stronghold? Second, the location for our strongholds. It's not on Liberty Island. It's not in any hill in Corinth. But the battleground in which the strongholds have been located and established is somewhere inside of us, our mind. You see, every human being is made of three parts. The body, the spirit, and the soul. And the soul is made up of your mind, will, and emotions. How many of you have emotions? How many of you have your will and you have your mind and that makes up your soul? And that's where the enemy plays with us. How many of us know that it starts with a thought? Amen? It starts with a thought. 
It starts with the thought, I want to look at that person the wrong way. It starts with the thought that I want to go to that website. It starts with the thought that I need to talk to that person. I need to do that act. I need to think this way. It starts with the thought. But the Lord is saying we need to take captive our thoughts in Christ Jesus. Amen? Everything begins to be played out through the lens of the stronghold in our mind. Our speech and our communication starts being affected because of the strongholds in our mind. Everything that we see and everything that we do, the places we go, the relationships we have, it starts being affected by the strongholds in our mind. You see, we read it there in verse 5, that arguments, imaginations, reasoning, speculations, knowledge, thought, all in the same realm of the mind. Where is it? Where is it? It's not just in the atmosphere, and there's another topic on that, but right now in our lives, it starts in our mind. How many of us lost many, how many of us lost many battles because of the thoughts in our mind? Satan is waging an all-out war to grab our minds and our attentions. Technology these days is doing a great job of doing that. Whether it's YouTube or whether it's apps or whether it's technology, whatever form or fashion, you know that the world, culture, society is using every form. And Satan, and I'm not saying all is bad, but Satan can work through those forms and take and play a mess with our minds. So the location of our strongholds are in our mind. And the enemy, before we even become a child of God, the enemy wants to keep us in darkness. Amen? Imagine the darkness that people that don't know the Lord Jesus Christ may be in. And then imagine for those that, have, that know him and still are battling. But that's where repentance comes into play. And repentance gives God the legal right to invade your mind and take captive the strongholds of the enemy. That he, pray, that he plays with in our lives. So we have the location of our strongholds. Where is the location? Uh, where is it? I want to share with you the construction of our strongholds. How many of you like to build stuff? I'm realizing my youngest is uh, the builder out of the three. I think one of them can design and the other can build. So I'm trying to think of a business plan. The other one can run the business. Right? We got our little uh, woodworking set, and uh, we built one of those things. I think it was a little piggy bank we built. And there's a few more. She's trying to get me to do it. I got to sit down and do it with her. And next is probably going to be a birdhouse, I think. We're going to just a little hammer, some little nails, nothing dangerous. And I try to put it in place, and she builds piece by piece, looks at the thing, and knows everything. And anywhere there's a Whenever there's an issue in the house, something goes wrong, I, got, I know one kid would definitely come and help me. The other two, <laughs> you got it? Good. So one kid there with plumbing issues, uh, heaters, whatever it is, you know, like, Dad, what do you, what do you need? Screwdriver? Good, whatever. Anyway, but in that building process, you have to realize there's pieces that come together. And when those pieces are put in the right place, at the end, it becomes that final product. The enemy will use little pieces of our life's experiences to build a huge stronghold in our life that will keep us entangled and enslaved for the rest of our lives. He's a builder of strongholds. 
Because John chapter 8 verse 44 says that you are of your father the devil and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources for he is a liar and the father of it. Jesus is referring to the devil. The devil is the father of lies. So if we are believing any lies, we are believing the father of lies. Revelation 12.10 says, For the accuser of our brothers and sisters have been thrown down to earth, the one who accuses them before our God day and night. I want you to really take note of this because this is going to really help each and every one of us. There are six main strongholds that the enemy uses to build in our lives. Six key strongholds. Take note of this. One is fear. Fear. It's yielding the, to the real or imagined possibility of impending danger rather than trusting in God. What is it? It's yielding to the real or imagined possibility of impending danger than, rather than trusting in God. Fear. A few weeks ago, we talked about fear. Number two, anger. Anger is a stronghold. Who's got a short temper? Who's got anger issues? Anybody? It's a stronghold. It's aggressiveness based on some perceived injustice that gives way to wrath. Number three, rejection. Has anyone ever faced rejection? Rejection can be a stronghold. It's allowing and the act of abandonment to instill feelings of worthlessness. The Holy Spirit is speaking to people. Rejection is allowing the act of abandonment to instill feelings of worthlessness. Number four, stronghold, depression. It's being overwhelmed with sadness and despair to the point of hopelessness. And I'm not speaking on the medical side. I'm speaking on the side that the enemy will play with. It's being overwhelmed with sadness and despair to the point of hopelessness. The enemy can use that to make a stronghold. Number five, abuse. I'm not going to even ask the question. It's the victimization that gives way to anger and resentment. Because you experienced abuse or you inflicted abuse. That becomes a stronghold. Number six, self-hatred. It's an intense aversion to one's self-worth that denies the worth and value of humans as unique creators and creations of God and worthy of his love. Six strongholds. Fear. Number two was what? Anger. Number three, rejection. Number four, depression. Number five, abuse. Number six, self-hatred. Let me tell you, Satan's primary weapon is guilt. Someone say guilt. How many of us can testify? You don't have to do anything. When we feel guilty, Satan wins. Satan will use the feeling of guilt to take victory over our minds and over our lives. But we have to remember that God has set us free from guilt. Amen? The Lord has set us free from guilt. Guilt is the key to our defeat, but righteousness in Christ Jesus is the key to our victory. Amen? Amen? Guilt is the key to our defeat that Satan uses, but Christ has given us the righteousness of himself as the key to our victory. Amen. Number four, the destruction of strongholds. Someone say the destruction. Going back to building... Uh, we did some work on our house a few years ago, and I hoped, I was looking forward to the day to take that sledgehammer and break a wall in our house. 
and COVID happened and they didn't let us do it. But then there was another project that came up and it happened to be at this church. And I asked them, can I get the sledgehammer? And they gave me the sledgehammer and I took down a couple of walls and it felt so good. It felt, you guys need to do something like that. Like go find a punching bag or, you know, do something. But sometimes that just kind of physical act of letting that stress, whatever it is out, it feels good. You feel like something just relieved. But I'm telling you, it was not just about destruction of walls. We need to take a sledgehammer to these strongholds that are in our mind and break it down. And we can do it and we need to do it. We are not just bystanders that witness the destruction of strongholds and say, oh yeah, you break it down for me or let the contractor do it. Let the pastor break down my stronghold. No. The Lord is calling you as a child of God. You as a son of God. You as a woman of God. You are key participants essential workers in the destruction of your own strongholds. Amen. Amen? Don't pass it off to a contractor. Don't sublet it out to somebody else to destroy your strongholds. Guess what? No one else even knows your strongholds. Only the enemy knows. You know because it's all in darkness anyway. Maybe some people close to you know even if they don't. I promise you some people close to you don't know some of your strongholds. <laughs> I promise you some people don't know your strongholds. So sometimes you're going to have to be the only one that fights. Your pastor is not going to know. Your co-brother in Christ is not going to know. Your women's group is not going to know. Your youth leader is not going to know. But you're going to have to say, God, I need you to help me. And I need you to help me destroy this stronghold from my mind. Come on, Lord. Yeah, praise God if the Lord is ministering to you. The stronghold is a fortress held by the enemy. But it must therefore be taken by force and destroyed. Amen? If the enemy's got a place in your mind and it's a stronghold, I don't think we have to go in and knock on the door. Hey, any devil, can I come in? No, no, no. It's not like you take it for, um, you know, you, you, walk, um, you walk your dog. I've never done it. I did it once. You walk your dog and some, sometimes they'll lead you, right? They'll lead you. I've seen, uh, what is it? Cesar Milan? That show. That show on National Geographic about some crazy demonized pets. <laughs> pets got demons too. I'm just joking. And, and, he, and somehow he gets in there. He just stands in the room and the thing's on. Before it's jumping at you, biting at you, everything, trying to rip your head off. He walks in. Like that's some power or some presence. Right? <laughs> you got to walk. You don't go into the, your enemy's, you don't go into the enemy's camp where enemy has placed a stronghold and say, okay, can you come out please? No, no, no. You got to go in by force. The force of the presence of God. The force of the power of God. The force of the blood of Jesus Christ. The force of the Holy Spirit and say, guess what enemy? I'm coming back and taking back what the enemy has stolen from me. I'm going into that camp and I'm taking back my mind. I'm taking back my, the plans of God. I'm taking back that place, that real estate the enemy has secured in my mind. You got to destroy it. It's not going for a casual walk. Like you do with your family, oh, strolling down the street, let's go for a walk. No, you say, I'm coming in, I'm taking you out. Yeah, it's time to evict the devil out of our minds. Yeah. I'm thankful for Colossians chapter 2, verse 13 through 14. Because I think a lot of us need to know this and understand this. And I think that Satan does a great job of helping, I mean, sorry, um, making sure that we don't understand this. Colossians chapter 2, verse 13 through 14. You were dead because of your sins. And because of your sinful nature was not yet cut away. 
then God made you alive with Christ. For he forgave all our sins. Amen? He forgave all our sins. Verse 14, he canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. Let me speak into everyone's life here. God has dealt with our past and our future guilt. God has dealt with our past and our future guilt. So stop living with guilt in our minds and in our lives. Lay it down. Release it. Cut the cord on it and let it go away. And focus on that you are a child of God. If we would understand that and embrace that truth, that on the cross Jesus has won the victory. He won the victory. He paid the price for the penalty of our sins from yesterday, today, and tomorrow. He paid the price for all our sins. And he allows us to stand guilt-free in the presence of God. I am so thankful. I'm so thankful that even when I've made my mistakes and I have sinned, and sometimes sinned repeatedly, which I realize could be a stronghold, which I have and may need, and you and I, we may need deliverance from. I'm telling you, we have that hope in Jesus Christ because he already won the victory for us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want to tell somebody, you feel so guilty that you feel worthless. You are not worthless. You are valuable because Jesus Christ died for you. Yeah, you are valuable. Stop beating yourself up. Stop defeating yourself with that idea and that lie and that lie of the enemy from the enemy who is the devil. He is giving that lie in your mind. I want to speak against that lie because Jesus Christ died for you on that cross to give you that victory in his name alone. So stand in that victory. Amen? Spirit of the living God. The destruction of our strongholds. And you may ask me, Pastor C, how do I do this? And I want to just give you some practical things quickly before I conclude. Here are some steps that you and I can take. And I would really hope that you would pay attention to this. Write it down if you need to, if you need help. One, ask God to show you the lie you have believed. What is the lie you have believed? Repent of believing that lie and receive God's forgiveness. Ask God to show you the truth. Then embrace that truth and exercise your life living out of that truth. I want to also encourage you, replace that lie with the truth, but also believing on the promises of God in your life. Amen? Stop believing the lies. Listen, we've all had our issues growing up. We've all had issues living life now. We all have issues that we're going to probably continue to have issues. But I'm telling you right now, the promises of God, the plans of God are greater than our issues. But I also believe that we don't have to have issues. Because if we are a child of God, we don't have to have issues. Allow the Holy Spirit to make God's word a reality in your heart and your mind. Meditate on God's word, people. Meditate on God's word. Pray. Get in his presence. So I want you to ask yourself this question. Where has the enemy taken ground in your life? and created a stronghold. Simply this, what is it that you constantly find yourself doing or thinking or saying that you know is not right with God? Is it lust of the eyes? Is it lust of the flesh? Or is it the pride of life? Is it some exalted idea that we have 
about God or some false truths that we believe about God and in his word and we've constructed some ideas about what we want to believe because it fits our agenda, fits our lifestyle or is it what, what God really says? Ask yourself, started to read from Colossians chapter 2 and I read 13 and 14 but I didn't read 15 because I wanted to save it for now it says in this way he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities Jesus Christ dying on the cross he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities when Jesus died on the cross he took away the power of Satan over our lives so if you believe on Jesus who died on the cross the power of Satan has now been disarmed and removed from your life he shamed them publicly. Verse continues to read. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. You see, and then uh, 2 Corinthians 2.14. Now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ. And through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. Someone say always. And every. Two adverbs. Always leads us in triumph in Christ. And in every place. He produces the knowledge of God. In the first verse that we read, it says that take every thought captive. And here it says in every place we can experience the triumph. of Anywhere the enemy has set up a stronghold, anywhere and everywhere, anywhere and everywhere, the Lord can give you that triumph in Christ Jesus. But here's something I've realized and learned. There is a difference between victory and triumph. Amen? There's a difference between victory and triumph. How many of you like uh, sports? I'll close with it. You like sports? And you know when a team wins the championship uh, of that sport, whether, let's say baseball. I like baseball. Uh, let's just do football since it just happened, right? Football. They won the Super Bowl and they won the game and the victory was had on the field, right? They won the victory on the field, but then they experienced their triumph or they declared their triumph when? A few days later when they were parading through their hometown city. Amen? So there's a difference. You won the victory on a football field in another city, but you experienced your triumph in your hometown when you had a parade in front of your own fans. So there's a difference between victory. Yes, Jesus gave me the victory on the cross, but the triumph came when he came up out of the grave and gave us resurrected life. But also the triumph came when he said, guess what? All authority has been given unto me. Now I give it unto you as the children of God to walk in that victory, to walk with Christ Jesus. And you don't just have to look for the victory because the victory has already been won. So don't worry about the victory. You have won. Someone say, I've won. Say, I've won. Come on, say, I have won. Now you got to walk in triumph. You got to walk in triumph. Say, I'm going to walk knowing that I already won. I'm going to walk around my hometown city. I'm going to walk around my living room. I'm going to walk around my bedroom. I'm going to walk around my campus. I'm going to walk around my office complex. I'm going to walk around my city knowing that I have the victory already. And I'm walking in the triumph that God, Jesus Christ, has given unto me. Spirit of the living God. So I want to encourage you, don't wait, don't delay. 
today. Maybe this word, it was for you, but definitely it was for me. And I'm telling you, I believe it's for all of us. Because I don't want to live bound anymore. I want to raise up an army. I, listen, I love to, oh man, when we come in and feel like a church family and sing, Kumbaya, my Lord, Kumbaya, that's great. But guess what? When you walk out of this place, I don't want you feeling like a family. I want you feeling like a soldier of Jesus Christ. Because when you get out into that place, there's an all-out war that is set out against the children of God. When it's great and comfortable inside the place, it's great and comfortable inside the church because the atmosphere and everything is conducive but let me tell you when the atmosphere isn't conducive when the workplace and the school says different things and when you got to live a life different and set apart in the world you got to say i'm against the enemy and the works of the enemy not against flesh and blood stop fighting the people stop fighting the people someone tell your neighbor stop fighting the people come on tell them tell them tell them tell them you guess what you're telling your person you're fighting with by the way you know that right stop fighting the people but we fight against the powers and principalities of darkness. And we have the victory and the triumph in Christ Jesus. So I want to just ask you to just close your eyes. And I want this to be a time of personal reflection. Today is not an altar call moment. But if you need prayer, the altar is always open. And you can come up for prayer. Where are the strongholds in your life? Is it the sixth that we talked about? Is it anger? Is it fear? Is it rejection? Is it depression? Is it abuse? Is it self-hatred? Come on, all over this house, take away every distraction. You didn't come here, don't worry about who you came with. I want to break that belief that you have in your mind that you are guilty. I break that in Jesus' mighty name. Believing on the act of true love that Jesus displayed for us and sacrificed his life on the cross. Standing on that truth, that foundational truth. Lord, I pray and believe that you are setting people free right now. Stop believing the lies the enemy has tried to put in your head. Break free from fear. What has caused you to be angry? Surrender it. Lay it down. Where did you face rejection? Where did you feel left out? Where did you face depression and hopelessness? Come on. Lay it down. Where was that abuse? Who, at whose hands? Were you the victim? Or were you the one that inflicting it? Not just physical or sexual, but emotional and verbal. Would you pray to guard your heart, your mind, and your tongue? Who's beating themselves up to say, I hate myself. I hate what I'm doing. I hate what I've done. Who's feeling guilty? I pray, oh God, that you would break that chain of guilt right now. Spirit of the living God. Come on, the Lord is doing something here in this place. Lord, break down the strongholds brick by brick. Lord, I pray that you take a sledgehammer to it right now. Take a sledgehammer to it right now. 
Come on, pray, pray. Come on, let it, lay it down right now. There's no song. There's nothing today. Maybe not right now, but in a moment. Come on. For a few moments. I don't know why today. I don't know why now. I don't know why you're here or why I'm here. But the Lord ordained our steps for this moment. Because the Lord is, wants to give you hope that there is freedom ahead of you. There is healing available to you. Come on, lay down that anger or whatever's caused it. Lay down that fear. Get to the root of it. Get to the root of it. Get to the root of it. Come on, let the Holy Spirit lead you into the dark places that the enemy is working at right now. Come on, the enemy likes the, likes the darkness. Come on, put, some, put a flashlight on it right now. Come on, confess it right now. Confess it before the Lord. Confess it before the Lord. Put a light on it. Holy Spirit, put a light on it right now. Put a light on it right now. Come on, young people. Come on, men. Come on, women, elders. I, there's no discrimination here. There's no discrimination here. There's equal opportunity for the enemy to work within our minds. Come on, take a light. Put a light on it. Confess it right now. Thank you for joining us this week on the One Church Podcast. We hope you were blessed by this message and would take a moment to share it with others. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Spotify at One Church LI. Or you can find more information on our website, onechurchonline.com. If you are ready to give your life to Jesus and accept him as your Lord and Savior, please contact us at info at onechurchonline.com. Here at One Church, our vision is to see Jesus. We exist to reach the one with the love of Jesus and for all to live like Jesus. We want to see Jesus in each other and we pray and believe that there is more for you.